the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And we're privileged to have a very special guest join us today in studio. He is the senior pastor of Life in Christ International, located in El Cerrito, right here in the Bay Area. He is Pastor Flavio Carvalho. Pastor Carvalho, great to have you with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, Your church is located, as we mentioned, in El Cerrito. And before we came on the air today, you had shared with me that it's pretty much a multi-ethnic congregation, which I guess for the Bay Area is kind of typical, isn't it? Yes, indeed. One of the greatest compliments someone ever paid to our church is that uh, he came in and uh, it was an evangelist that preached a series of services for us. And uh, he said two things that stuck with me. He said, wow, being here is like being in a U.N. meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And then he stuck around with us for a while. He stayed at our house and um, he got to know the community. And he said, the aisles of your church are like the aisles of the local grocery store. And I thought that was a great Mm. insight. Um, we're we're priv- privileged to be a good picture of what our community look lo- looks like. Part of the emphasis of your church, in addition to outreach right there in El Cerrito, is also a strong missions-related perspective, which I, I would think that every church should have a strong sure. missions-related burden. Uh, the notion of going into all the world and sharing the gospel in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But in the case of your church, um, there's another reason why your heartbeat in particular is strong for missions work, and it's a fascinating part of your own story. Tell us a bit about that and your roots. I'm a product of missions. My parents were pastors uh, in Brazil, Rio, Brazil. Then God called them into the mission field. They went to Argentina and Uruguay as missionaries, came back to, to Brazil. And then the church in Brazil sent them to California, of all places, <laughs> to be missionaries to the Portuguese-speaking people in California. And that's how my family ended up in America. So you eventually then emigrated from Brazil to Northern California as the product of missions work, which, again, we typically think of missions as United States being missions sending. But the reality is there's a huge opportunity given the makeup, and particularly for a region like the San Francisco Bay Area, given the cultural makeup that we see here. This is literally the missions field in a very true sense, isn't it? We're so blessed in the Bay Area that the world literally came to us. And so we can preach the gospel to the world without leaving or immediate surroundings. The world has come to us, and that's a great blessing, a great privilege. Now, that doesn't exclude the possibility and and the responsibility to reach the rest of the world and do send out missionaries and so on. But in so many cases, God has sent the mission field to us, and that's an awesome thing. And what a great training ground this is that not only can help us better understand what it means to reach other cultures, people of different backgrounds from different parts of the world, um, so not only in terms of a preparatory, if God ever calls you to be a missionary or do work overseas, uh, but also to give you a burden to, mm. to recognize the need of presenting the gospel to other tribes and tongues that the world may know. 
So let your light shine that the world may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. At at what point in your life, having been raised in the church, uh, being the son of missionaries to the United States, did you begin feeling that God was beginning to call you into the ministry? I was 16 years old, and um, I told God in prayer, God, I know you have a plan in my life, and I intend to fulfill it. I literally prayed this prayer, and I said, um, my plan is to be an engineer. I'm going to call, I was a, at 16. I was a junior in high school. I said, God, I'm going to start looking at colleges. I'm going to apply. I want to be an engineer. I'll be faithful in church. I'll be involved in church. I'll be singing in a choir, maybe teaching Sunday school. Um, But that's the plan. If you have a different plan, let me know. And within four weeks of that prayer, my parents had an evangelist come and preach a series of services at our church. He hadn't seen me in 10 or 12 years. And God used him to speak to me. And, and he looked at me in, in the eyes and said, God is calling you into the ministry. And God is saying to you, if you'll take care of his sheep, he will take care of you. And he, he and nobody knew. I, I didn't even tell my parents about this prayer I had prayed just four weeks before. And it was such one of those divine interventions, those God moments in life. It, it shifted uh, the course of my life. And I knew right then and there that I was going into the ministry. Uh, pastoral ministry. Every Christian is in ministry. Every believer is a minister. But I knew right then and there that God is, was calling me into a pastoral ministry. And so from high school, I went to a, a Bible college. And from Bible college, I went to seminary and, and, and right into ministry. You've been pastoring for, we mentioned uh, visiting before we came on the air today, for some 27 years now, 24 of it in El Cerrito. Uh, but there is, you're, you're bivocational. So there's another indeed. part of the story. <laughs> in addition to the burden that God placed on your heart to be involved in ministry full-time, pastoring specifically, uh, he led you into another field, though. Tell us about that. Yes. Now, people often go from a, uh, a profession, um, so-called secular profession, and I don't like that title. I think all professions are sacred if they are done unto the Lord. But uh, to use the, the, the popular uh, terminology, people go from secular professions into ministry. In my case, it was slightly different. I went into ministry right off the bat, and I've been in ministry for 27 years. I have, I have always had a fascination with the law, always been interested in it, read about it, helped people with legal problems uh, in, informally. Um, I have relatives who are uh, attorneys, and um, at about, um, what, about 10, 12 years ago, I felt released by the Holy Spirit to pursue um, a law degree and, and to practice law. The church was well-established by then. The ministry uh, was well-established. My kids were old enough that I had some, some time, and um, my wife and I looked at each other. We talked about it. We prayed about it. We felt the green light from the Lord, and I went to law school and into um, practice of law, which I'm doing right now. And there is a, a strong degree, and let's talk about this, because the sense of, of marketplace evangelism um, is an issue that I'm very passionate about. Absolutely. And I concur with you. We, we sometimes wish to delineate ministry-related professions with secular professions as if one is divided from the other. One gives you an opportunity to talk about Jesus, to minister, and the other one somehow is just about making money, when in reality, we look at the majority of the apostles, 
all had secular, quote-unquote, jobs, Mm -hmm. were all engaged in some degree early on of marketplace evangelism. Absolutely. And if every individual, every believer in Jesus is called to be of service to the Lord as part of the Great Commission, then how can we but but not see what God has called us to do in our day-to-day profession as a missions that's right. Or ministry opportunity. Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. There's no middle ground. And he is Lord of all. And it's a wonderful thing to walk into your profession, whatever that prof- profession is, and to understand Jesus is Lord in this arena of life, and I'm his ambassador here. And, you know, the funny thing is to put perspective on this. Some people say, well, but, Pastor, you're involved in full-time ministry work in addition to your tent making. Craig, you're on a Christian radio station. But there's a degree, there's an argument that would say a lot of what we do preaches to the choir. That's right. And yet the individual that, for example, is working as a teacher in a public classroom or working as a bus driver or a police officer or whatever your chosen profession, you are surrounded by people in the mission field every single day And looking at particularly a region like the San Francisco Bay Area with 4% that ever go to church, you're looking at individuals in a mission field that the likelihood is that 90 to 95% of the people that you come in contact with every single day do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So who's got the stronger opportunity in terms (laughs) of the mission field? I, I would say that the person in the marketplace has Mm -hmm. been called to such a unique and wonderful area where it is literally the fields, as as Scripture tells us, are are white unto harvest. That's right. Go into all the world. That's that's the the directive. Go into all the world. That, That means everywhere we go in whatever we do, we represent Christ. We love people. We let God's light shine through us and his wisdom speak through us to people. And, uh, Craig, I wish... Because the Lord planned my life in such a way, I spent most of my life within the Christian community. I was raised by Christian parents. I went to a Christian high school. I went to a Christian college. Now, not everybody at college were studying for the ministry. There were other majors. We were actually a minority at the college I attended, but it was a Christian college. We had devotions every morning and so on and so forth. My professors were great, well-educated men, but godly men and women. Um, so I went to a Christian college. Then I went to seminary, Fuller Theological Seminary. I'm, I'm surrounded by people uh, it, who, are, who share my faith. And I'm working at a church as a pastor or a youth pastor in, um, in various uh, positions I, I, I took over the course of the years. Anyways, most of my life was spent within the Christian community. Praise God for that. But when God allowed me to go into the law profession, all of a sudden, I stepped into the secular arena in a way that I hadn't before. And uh, if it didn't benefit anyone else, and I hope it did, I hope I was a light to them, but it benefited me. It opened my eyes to a world that I, I had very little interaction with. Um, and part of our problem as a church and as a Christian community is often we're answering questions that are no longer being asked. Mm-hmm. But to be sitting there and, and hearing the heartbeat of the world and understanding that Christ is the answer to their questions, it was, it was, it was just refreshing, and it, it expanded my world. 
Pastor Flavio Carvalho with us today in studio, Senior Pastor at Life in Christ International. Information, by the way, on the web at lifeinchristministry.org. That's lifeinchristministry.org. He has a radio broadcast here on KFAX called Life in Christ, heard Sunday afternoons at 1.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. Get you an update on traffic. Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the program. In studio today, Pastor Flavio Carvalho, Senior Pastor of Life in Christ International. They're located up in El Cerrito. You can get information about the church, the ministry, and the radio ministry as well at lifeinchristministry.org. That's lifeinchristministry.org. We were talking just before the break, um, Pastor Carvalho, about marketplace ministry. And I'm wondering, in in terms of the way you you, you kind of straddle both being in the marketplace as an attorney and being in the church as a pastor, do we tend to compartmentalize our Christianity to the point where we're not effective in marketplace evangelism? And I ask that question because oftentimes we see the Sunday church experience is what we do for God on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday we go back living our lives for ourselves. We're reticent to talk about our faith in the marketplace because, well, somebody might not understand, we might offend them, or perhaps we're, as you said uh, so aptly, we're answering questions that they're no longer asking. What of that? How can the church do a better job in terms of more effectively integrating the totality of our relationship with Christ and our experience in the church on Sunday and pull that into our Monday through Saturday experience? I think one of the first things we need to do is do away with some of our preconceived notions about the world and about unchurched people and to begin to understand that human beings are human beings. We all have the same longings and God placed in all of us a desire for a relationship with him. All of us want to be loved. All of us want to be appreciated. And all of us need a relationship with God. And through Jesus Christ, God made a way for all that to happen for every human being. So if we stop thinking of the world as us against them and they against us, and just understand human beings, God created us all. God loves us all. For God so loved the world. Not just the church, not just me, but the world. Every single person in the world that whosoever believes in him can have everlasting life. And we just look at people as people who need Jesus. People need the Lord. And we just live out our faith. And, you know, the core value of our faith is love. God is love. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is love God with all our heart, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. And if we just purpose in our hearts, Holy Spirit, with your help, I intend to do that today to every person I meet. I want to love you in front of them and love them in front of you. You know, that that will revolutionize our lives. And that's what I I try to do. That's that's my approach. There is some excuse-making going on here. There is a huge theological disconnect that would suggest if people that we are around Monday through Saturday are unchurched, that they must have chosen to be unchurched. And Mm -hmm. therefore, if they have chosen to be unchurched, far be it from me to try and, as the typical phrase goes, force my religion on them. Yes. 
not only is that theologically way out of bounds, <laughs> it, it, it also demonstrates, as, as I suggest, a, a huge amount of um, excuse-making, almost to the point where it, it demonstrates our, our utter failure at understanding what it's about to be makers of disciples of Christ. Uh, talk to that point, would you? The church website addresses this issue as well in terms of the passion of your ministry to make disciples of Jesus Christ. What exactly does that mean? Well, as we understand it, our call is to live out our lives before the world. So let your light shine that the world might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Um, people often say that we owe the world an exposition to the gospel. I, I'd rather say we owe them an experience with the gospel, an experience with Christ. Live out your faith. Live out your convictions. Talk about them naturally, not as talking points, but Jesus is the most important person in my life, so naturally he's going to come up in my conversation. And interesting, the world uses, you know, Jesus Christ as, as um, uh, you know, things happen, and they say, Jesus Christ, I, instead of being offended I use that as an opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ and say, yeah, let's pray right now. Let's talk to Jesus Christ. You just mentioned his name. Why don't we pray to him? Use the opportunities to share your faith in a natural way. Let your light shine. When, when bad things happen, face them, admit them, talk about them, pray about them. Whether it's something bad that happened to you or to your neighbor, life happens. But Jesus is Lord over all of life good and bad, good days and bad days. So you just live through them with people and let them see your faith at work. That sense of lifestyle evangelism, I'll call it for perhaps want of a better term, um, and, and I think we're making a huge distinction here. Some people think evangelism is something that you turn off and turn on. Right, right. I'm going to now share with you the four spiritual laws, <laughs> and now I'm yes. done. I'm going to invite you to church on Sunday or to a crusade, and then I'm done. Evangelism at the heart is not something that we turn off or on. We see it as a state of doing, but in a sense, it's almost a state of being. Absolutely. In the sense that if, if you are letting your light shine, people are going to notice there's something different about you and will be attracted to that. And I think it draws a distinction as well. If you ask the average non-believer out there, tell me about Christians, they will immediately launch a laundry list of all the things, oh, I know you Christians, you're against sex before marriage, you don't like that. And they go through this list of all the things that they perceive we are against. Right. And then you would say, okay, that's fair. Now tell us what we're for. Dead silence. Yes. We do Blank a good faces. job when it comes to negative evangelism. We do a good job on occasion of turning that switch off and on, but the lifestyle, living it out daily, and so letting your light shine before men is something the church struggles with, doesn't it? That's right. Expose people to the love of God. Expose people to the wisdom of God that's available to us through Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the written word. The book of Proverbs is just full of truth, and if you just experience that truth, live that truth, talk about that truth, share that truth. Truth is attractive. Truth has a pull of its own. Truth will stand up to, to the, rise to the occasion. 
and stand up to criticism. See, just speak the truth. You know, this is what the Bible says. And you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be preachy. You don't have to be pointing fingers. You don't have to raise your voice. You just speak naturally and let it flow. And expose people to the power of the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders would follow, Jesus said. So pray for the sick. If people are in crisis, pray for that situation. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Ask people for permission. May I pray for you? Looks to me like you're in pain. Would you mind if I say a word of prayer for you? Rare is the individual who once asked, may I pray for you, on the heels of word about a son that's dealing with drugs Mm -hmm. and an addiction or a marriage that's in the middle of crisis or sickness, a car accident, some illness that's visited a family, challenging problems from an economic standpoint, whatever life brings, rare is the person that you would ask and say, may I pray for you, that would say, absolutely not. You might catch the occasional hardline atheist here in the Bay Area that would say, absolutely not, but rare is that And I've had it happen to me, but you're right, it is very rare, very rare, maybe two or three times in my lifetime. But I tell you what I have seen happen opportunities to ask someone to pray for them, to pray with them, and to have them come back a day or two later and say, you're not going to believe what happened. That's right. My mother made a complete turnabout. The doctors don't understand what happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wait for it. Well, we did pray the other day. Yes. Wow. And all of a sudden now, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, has opened up an opportunity for you to share the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ with that individual. I think we would see a different culture about us if the church would be more engaged in lifestyle evangelism, mm-hmm. in workplace evangelism, as we've been discussing. Well, let's face it, there's, there, there's a, an easy road to criticize and say, so much evil in the world around us. Pick up the newspaper any given day. Read what's online. It's all darkness and evil. We are overwhelmed by darkness. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, is it really a abundance of darkness that is challenging us, or is it a lack of light? If you walk into the house at night and all the lights are off, you say, gee, it's dark in here. What's mm-hmm. the first thing you do? You dispel the darkness by going to the light switch or the lamp, and you turn on that light, and you dispel the darkness. The darkness immediately flees. That's right. How is it that we as the church miss the spiritual example in this by understanding it's not that there's an abundance of darkness. It's that there's a lack of light. That's right. And we're not called to save the world. We're called to love the world and be a light. The saving is done by the Holy Spirit. So we do our part by by being who we are, children of God, by being the light, by being who we're called to be, people who love God and who love our neighbor. And then let the Holy Spirit work out the details. He'll do it. He's capable of doing it. He saved me. He saved you. He'll save our neighbor as well. He'll save our loved ones as well if we'll just let him. Pastor Flavio Carvalho with us today in studio. The broadcast ministry Life in Christ heard Sunday afternoons at 1.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. And you can get more information if you're new to the Bay Area, looking for a church home, want to find out more about Life in Christ International, check them out on the web at lifeinchristministry.org. That's lifeinchristministry.org. A brief time out, back with more right after this. Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael? 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the conversation in studio today with the senior pastor of Life in Christ International and host of Life in Christ, a broadcast ministry here on KFAX Sunday afternoons at 1.30 p.m. He's Pastor Flavio Carvalho. We were sharing a bit about the whole sense of lifestyle evangelism and being more effective at being light to those in the world around us. Uh, share with you, Wood, Pastor, in terms of what you see God doing in your church impacting the El Cerrito area. Well, one of the neat things I see God doing in our church is giving people a genuine experience with God. I like to say that people with an experience are never at the mercy of someone with an argument. So when someone have when someone has a, a, an encounter with God, they've experienced God, no argument is going to dissuade them. They've met with God. They've, they've been touched by God. They touched the hem of his garment. And one of the neat things to see in ministry over the years is to see people experiencing God, realizing, in the words of Psalm 46, 1, the Lord is a very present help in time of need. You're talking about relational yes. Christianity. Absolutely. Anybody can go to university, to a seminary, and study Scripture. And there's a place for that. history. Yes, absolutely. And there's absolutely a place for that. And have an abundance of head knowledge. Yes. And can memorize Scripture to beat the band. And yet, if they lack a personal relationship, there's going to be a limitation to that knowledge. I, I, I love that great little uh, nursery-style uh, hymn, uh, Jesus Loves Me So, and I Know So, for the Bible Tells Me So. And it's great to, to have that head knowledge. But I think what you're talking about from a relational standpoint is there's knowing that Christ loves us because the Scripture tells us, and then there's the relational perspective of, I know that I know that I know. Absolutely. And that's what I see over, over the decades in ministry. That's what I see as the most effective way of transforming lives, just allowing people to experience God, creating an, an environment where the Holy Spirit is free to move and touch lives, and then let Him do it. God will pe- meet people where they are. And I know there are people listening to us right now that need to hear this. God will meet you and your family and your loved ones and your neighbors where they are. You don't have to take them somewhere. You just allow the presence of God to flow through you and meet them where they are. And then God will lead them to where they need to be. But God specializes in in, in finding people where they are. So at our church, we try to create an environment where where people can experience God you know, uh, several years ago, we had an incident in, in the church where someone came in, and, and, and he was a menacing individual. Uh, some people felt threatened about it, and, and we took measures to deal with the situation. I remember praying. I said, God, help us make the church safe. And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear. He said, church is not to be a safe place. It is supposed to be a comfortable place. But it's not supposed to be safe. I want to allow. And I understood that the Holy Spirit wasn't talking about physical uh, unsafety. But but allowing people to feel the presence of God, allow the presence of God to comfort them and then challenge them and bring about change. I think that's what the gospel is. 
exposure to God, who he is, his holiness, his justice, his kindness, his love, his mercy, his incredible sacrifice for all of us, and then being overwhelmed by that and allowing that to change us from the inside out. And see, sadly, there are those, I think, that, that, that see the gospel story as a plan of redemption, which it is, as God's way of providing a means by which we might be forgiven and escape the eternal penalty of hell. And they want to put a big period there. Right. And they fail to recognize, but what was God's purpose in that? God's purpose in that was to make sure that we would be then eternally in his presence and walk in, get this, in relationship with him. That's right. And, you know, it's unique that of all the world religions, and I'm certainly no expert, but of all the world religions, to my knowledge, it is only Christianity that proclaims at its core not only God's willingness and eagerness to have relationship with his creation, but the capacity to personally experience that. You might know about Buddha, but you're never going to know Buddha. Right. You could mention any false god that's out there. None of those world religions ever talk about relationship because we know at the core it's impossible because the Bible tells us that there is only one true God. Allah calls for submission, not love. Mm -hmm. It's the God of the Bible that says, I'm love and I'm deeply in love with you. And if you will allow me to come into your life, you're going to fall in love with me as well. And if we live out that relationship with Christ, is it true that people around us will be attracted to that? They can't help but be attracted because we were created for love and relationship, all of us. We crave for it. We look for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, we do. And God is standing and shouting and saying, here I am. I'm ready to love you if you'll let me. My arms are open. I've paid the price. I've done the heavy lifting. And I tell the church this all the time. You don't have to make it happen. You just need to let it happen. You can't prevent it from happening if you choose not to accept it. But if you just open your heart and say, God, come on in and do your thing. He'll do it. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to conjure up some feeling and tears and, or excitement or clapping or jumping up and down or whatever else. You just open your heart and let God be God, and he will come in, and he'll meet you where you are, and he'll, he'll answer your questions, and he'll lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It's a wonderful thing. You know, I have all these God moments in my life that, that shaped me. One of them comes to mind right now. My wife and my family and I were on vacation overseas and uh, woke up in the middle of the night, knelt down at the foot of the bed and started praying. At the end of my prayer, oh, I remember this so distinctly and it was so impacting to me. I, I told God, God, before I go back to bed, I just want to let you know I love you. And I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart, and again, the ground didn't shake and it wasn't an audible voice, but I heard the voice of God in my spirit. God said, son, I know you love me, but keep saying it because I love to hear it. Mm. Oh, that, that means so much to me. God loves to hear me tell him that I, that I love him. That's what prayer is. It's not a checklist that I go through. It's just communing with God and saying, God, I really love you and I really need you. And um, there, uh, I'm thinking about the situation in my life right now. Would you give me some wisdom on this? Would you help me deal with my kids? Would you help me love my wife better? Would you help me in, with this case? 
God, what, what, what do you want to tell the congregation this Sunday? I'm your mouthpiece this Sunday. What's the message? I'm, I'm your letter carrier. What, what's the letter? Would you write the letter here in front of me so I can deliver it? And have those conversations with God and, and, and talk to him and then listen to his, his response and, and his direction and his guidance. Oh, it's, this is not religion. It, it is a relationship. It is indeed. And, and, and the irony is that mankind tends to want to lean toward the religion end of things because we're convinced that there's got to be something more to it. Well, Jesus died on the cross, but for me to be in heaven, there's got to be something more to it. So therefore, I have to do all of these things in order to earn my place in heaven. We are persuaded that it must be more complicated than it is, or you're not telling me the whole story, (laughs) or I've got to work really hard at this. And is it any wonder with those false impressions and perspectives out there that those who do not know Christ and who are presented a very false picture of the gospel— feel repulsed by it. Well, I'm not good enough. I could never keep the laws. I'm not the church-going type. We like to create all of these excuses and pretexts. And yet, in the simplicity of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not what we do. It's what he did. That's right. And the core focus here is God's desperate desire to have fellowship with his creation. Absolutely. So much so that he would come up with a plan. He knew right out the gate, you're not going to keep my law. You may do the sacrifice today, but you'll sin again tomorrow. So how about this? I will provide the final, complete sacrifice to cover everyone's sin and every sin, past, present, and, past, future. Present, and future, for all time, for all mankind. And if you will acknowledge my son's work on the cross, repent, you will be saved, and your household. Now, we want to put a semicolon in in there and then say, and then you have to do all this stuff. People forget the fact that doing things for the Lord is not what you have to do because you're saved or to be saved. It's what you get to do. That's right. That's right. Why is social media so pervasive? Why are we always trying to become a member of a, diff, you know, a new club and a new uh, um, social media, all these accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? We're looking for connections. We're looking for relationships. And why do we do it? Because that's what, the way we've been wired. We're, rela- we're wired for relationship. And the ultimate relationship is the relationship we can have with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's, that's the core issue. And I know we're speaking to listeners right now who need to hear this. God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He's made up his mind. He's in love with you. And all you have to do is accept his love, receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that pays for all your sin, past, present, and future, and then engage with God in that relationship of love and let him lead you. Now, it's going to be the greatest adventure you ever gotten into. Uh, he will lead you to unexpected ways, but all go- unexpected places, but all of them will be wonderful. So just accept it. Receive it. Receive his sacrifice, his love. Embrace his love and let him lead you. You'll never regret it. Amen. We'll take a brief time out. Back with some closing comments from Pastor Flavio Carvalho in just a moment. Get you an update on traffic. Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to The Conversation. Pastor Flavio Carvalho with us today in studio, Senior Pastor of Life in Christ International. Broadcast Ministry 2 right here on KFAX. Heard Sunday afternoons at 1.30 p.m. And you can get complete details at the KFAX website at kfax.com or go directly to the church website, lifeinchristministry.org. That's lifeinchristministry.org. They are located up in El Cerrito. And um, tell us a bit about service times, what's going on at the church. Our services are at 9.30 on Sundays. We meet on Tuesday nights for prayer. Uh, We have discipleship going on throughout the week. Um, On Sundays at 11.30, we also have a service in Portuguese. We have a sizable Portuguese-speaking people community in the Bay Area, so we provide for that community with a service in Portuguese as well, and that's very exciting. Good stuff. And again, uh, complete information available on the web at lifeinchristministry.org, lifeinchristministry.org. Just before the break, Pastor, we were talking a bit about this wonderful gla- uh, this wonderful plan that God has designed through which we might be not just forgiven, reconciled, and then experience true relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody listening right now saying, you know, I've gone to church before. I've never felt that close to God. I hear people talking about Jesus like they know him personally, but that's never been my experience. I've tried to read the Bible, and I struggle with its meaning. I'm listening to this radio show, but I don't feel comfortable going to a church. I've been hurt. And there's a lot about religion that I don't feel comfortable with. For that person listening right now who finds the notion of a relationship with God attractive but doesn't fully understand how to get there, what would you say to that person? First of all, keep listening to KFAX. You're going to be blessed by godly men and women who will be sharing truth with you right there in the comfort of your car, your house, your office, wherever you are. And that's going to help you. That's going to give you some tools. That's going to give you some knowledge. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will dispel a lot of misconceptions about God, about Christ, about the church. Number two, take some chances. Take some chances. Just because you've been burnt in the past doesn't mean that there isn't truth at the end of that trail. So pursue it. Press on. Find. Visit another church. Find a a church that is compatible with your lifestyle, with your schedule, and then plant yourself there. Allow yourself to be challenged by, by circumstances and by relationships. A lot of our growth happens in, the, in those uncomfortable interactions. So a lot of the, that discomfort that happens in church life is actually intended. God meant it for it to be there. Iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron. I heard someone say a long time ago that we often don't change when we see the light, but when we feel the heat. <laughs> I like that. And uh, relationships tend to bring the heat, and bring on the heat. And that's, that's healthy. So we welcome that. And again, in an atmosphere where there's love, where love is the, the guiding principle and truth is allowed to flow, then there's, there's real hope for, for change and, and growth and transformation. How much is study in God's Word important? How key is that to being a true disciple of Jesus? Oh, my. I go to the Word regularly. 
not because I've, you know, my ex- I'm expected to or because I feel that God, you know, I'm so- somehow I'm earning brownie points with God by going to the Word, but because the Word is alive. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I need the guidance and in the, in the, in the instruction that I receive from the Word. So it is really important that you go back to the Word regularly. God has spoken, and that changes everything. So hear God. And I encourage people, don't gauge your reading of Scripture by how many verses or chapters you've read, but how much of the Bible you've allowed to read you. So just spend, it might, some days I'll read one phrase, and that phrase will challenge me and and invite me into thinking and meditation and prayer. So don't measure your progress by how much of the Bible you're reading, but how often you're meeting with God in His Word and allowing that Word to speak to you. And for a new believer, um, in terms of starting with the basics, people say, well, I, I started with Genesis, and by the time I got to Exodus and Leviticus, boy, I'm really confused. What's the best <laughs> approach for a new believer who wants to understand this exciting new adventure that they're on and begin to uncover more about the character and the personality of Jesus Christ? I tell people, start with the gospel. Meet Jesus. Meet Jesus. I heard someone say, a great pastor said once, uh, Jesus is the answer to every question, and if he's not your answer, you're asking the wrong question. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I kind of like that. Um, Go to the Gospels and meet Jesus. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, the Gospel of John is the most intimate of the four. That's where we find Jesus meeting people one-on-one. So that's a great place to start. Then go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, Read those. And, and again, just get acquainted with Jesus. By the way, I recommend find a faithful translation, but one that is understandable to you at your level. So I love, for instance, the, the contemporary English version. It's not a very popular version, but it just speaks in plain language, plain English. Now, my study Bible is the New King James, because I grew up with the King James, and the New King James gets, gets rid of the these and thous, and, and it's, it's comfortable. Um, I, I was blessed with, with some seminary training, so I can take a look at uh, Hebrew and Greek to some extent. I'm no expert, but, and that's helpful. But the place to start is a, uh, a, a translation that speaks where you are. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which is the word for common Greek. Common Greek, not classical Greek. The New Testament was written in common Greek. Why? Because God wanted everybody to understand what he had to say. And so find a common translation where you can understand what is being said and allow it to speak to you. The Holy Spirit will take it from there. And then, of course, as you mentioned, getting into a solid Bible teaching church where you can be exposed to fellowship with other believers, be exposed to the proclamation and preaching of God's Word. And um, if you're certainly up in the El Cerrito area, we invite you to check out Life by in Christ means. Church. Come by. Located at 10. 936 San Pablo Avenue in El Cerrito. Information again available on the web at lifeinchristministry.org. That's lifeinchristministry.org. If you are elsewhere in the Bay Area, you'd like to have a recommendation for a solid Bible teaching church near where you live or work, go to the KFAX website. All kinds of resources available there, including our church directory at kfax.com. Pastor, we appreciate you taking time to come in, share a bit of your story, uh, share some from the Word today. Thanks so much for the time. Glad to be here. 
Again, information available about the church at lifeinchristministry.org. A reprise of this conversation will be heard Saturday at 5 p.m. right here on KFAX. So we invite you to invite your friends to tune in for that. In addition to that, a complete sermon by Pastor Flavio Carvalho will be heard this coming Sunday at 12 noon right here on KFAX as part of Church of the Week. Information again available at kfax.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.